Hello, hola, and idahanya niduhing. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 27th episode of the Naturally Ever After podcast. My name is Nidia Guiti. In my profession, I am a licensed clinical social worker. In this podcast, I share tips on how to build confidence as you transition and maintain your natural hair by way of sharing my own journey and lessons that I learned along the way in my own natural hair journey. I firmly believe that mindset and perspective shifts how we think and feel about ourselves. So we are at episode five out of seven in in tracking um, Kaidi's lock journey. And this most recent episode was actually recorded earlier in the year on January 7th. And we titled, I'm changing the names of the episodes because as I'm re-listening to them, as I'm editing, I'm like, mm, no, this this feels more in alignment. So this episode is titled Seven Months In Slash Environment. And as I was re-listening to it, and I'm just thinking about the spaces that we occupy, I think about like re-engaging the five senses and the active practice of mindfulness. Like, what am I smelling? You know, what am I able to to touch? What am I able to see? What am I able to taste? What am I able to hear? Like our environment has so much to do with how we feel. And in the context of our natural hair journey, and we think about um, growth in whichever way we want, whether that's length, um, how the thickness of our hair or whatever, whatever goal that you set for yourself, does your environment nurture your intention? And this is the basis of our conversation. So I am excited to hear your thoughts and reflections as Kaidi shares where she is seven months into her micro journey, her micro lock journey. Hello, Kaidi. Hey, Lydia. How are you? I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm preparing um, to go on the next leg of my journey. I'm in New Jersey right now. Um, a little layover between one stop and the next and just ready to get 2022 started on the good foot. Yeah, so Feliz Año Nuevo to everybody listening to this. Welcome to episode number six. And we are touching base with Kaidi as she returns back from her trip from Panama City. You were in Texas last for a little bit. Yes, I was in Houston. Mm -hmm. And then Vegas. I was in Vegas briefly. I actually went twice um, for two, like I had a weekend conference and then I had to return unexpectedly to shoot a, a video for a friend of mine. Um, so I was in Vegas and then to back to Jersey. So I've been a little bit all over and I, I drove from uh, Jersey to Houston and back. So I made some stops in Memphis and um in Little Rock. So done a, done a quite a bit of traveling over these past few months. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. So where's the next stop? So the next stop is uh, Dominican, Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. Nice. Yeah, so I'm leaving uh, what, Sunday, which is January 9th. I'll be leaving to go there and I'll be there for about two months. And I just really want it to be somewhere on beaches with crystal clear water and white sand. And I know it's like a touristy spot, um, you know, but I like this, when, when I looked at all the different options of places in the DR and uh, that was just, that's the place that spoke to me the most. So we'll see, we'll see what it turns out to be. I am excited for our next episode 
to mm-hmm. see just what your experience is like in VR um, and how you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Have you been? I have, I have. Yeah, okay. I've, I've been once. Um, I went to DR in 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2014. And being a Black woman in the Dominican Republic was interesting, especially being in Punta Cana, because it is a touristy spot. So mm-hmm. people see you and, of course, know that you're American and don't assume that you're Latina in any way. And mm. I, I ordered in Spanish and it was like, oh, don't do it. And I don't have a Honduran accent. Like my Spanish is very um, monotone. So you don't really know where I'm from. And it's like, okay. Oh. So I, I'm curious what your experience will be once you're there. So what has shifted since the last time we touched base? Well, for as far as my lock journey, I do have a little bit of locking going on. Um, I was was looking at a meme and they were explaining like what stage you're in. Mm -hmm. And like stage two is like the teenage stage where it's kind of crazy. Like if you don't know what stage you're in, you're probably in stage two. Mm -hmm. So part of my hair in the back is in that teenage phase where some of it's locking, some of it's like weird, like I don't know what's going on, Um, but there's definitely some locking and there was a budding a while ago. So that's what's changed with my hair, but it's only like in the nape area, um, a lot from like, I guess you could say maybe like 60% of my head is still not locked, um, you know, down to the end, but the roots are interlocked and whatnot. So, so yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's permanent now. Like if if they're going to come out, I'm going to have to do some cutting or some something. So yeah, it's, 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 I'm committed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you feel where you are in this stage? At this point, we're seven months in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, seven months in. Yeah, I feel good. Um, I am. I'm still learning how to style it and things like that. But of course, the convenience of uh, of locks and being able to retighten on my own is really convenient. But also when I come to Jersey, I have a a loctician that's here. you know, I still have my days where it's not doing what I want it to do, but I noticed, and this is what I, I wanted to talk about, um, environment really makes a difference. And I mean, we should have known that in terms of hair, but it makes such a difference in what my hair does. And I feel like there's that's symbolic of life as well, like the environment you're in makes a difference. So when I left Panama, the last time we spoke, I was in Panama. Panama is like, it's like, it's super humid and it's like living in a sauna basically and the joke in panama is like the people have to be like they're like fish like they can survive underwater because it's so much the air is just so thick and and humid Mm -hmm. um i think it's like 80 percent humidity or something like that Mm -hmm. uh and when i left panama i flew straight to uh vegas for a training and um you know, it's very extremely dry in Vegas. It's like the yeah. desert. So the, the humidity is like 8% in, in Vegas. So I went from one extreme to the next. And I noticed my hair was so different in the two. In, in Panama, although they say the drier your hair is, um, the the drier your hair is, the, the, the easier it is to lock. Um, for me, I like a little bit of moisture because it just, I don't know, it just does better. You know, it's not crunchy and, you know, all yeah. of that. 
Um, it's not a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but like my loctician said, you know, like when it's, when it's drier, it locks easier, which makes sense to me, but I'm like, I'll, I'll spare, you can spare me on that. I'll, I'll take the, you know, the moisture. Um, so in Panama curls were popping and all of that. Um, and it just had a lot more shape when in Vegas, it was dry and crunchy and kind of dusty looking and I was still learning how to manage it and then it wouldn't you know shape the way I wanted it to so I figured you know this is the difference is the environment and then when I came to Jersey it was different as well Mm -hmm. so um, that has been interesting to observe and to see how different places that I go um, you know my hair is going to do differently similar to when it's you know when it's straight you know it's you know you can't get get it straightened and then go and be in the humidity and whatnot but it's been interesting to watch how it affects the locks yeah i think that's the beauty of you traveling in this time and us and us recording these episodes in this way in that we get to like really look back at these episodes and like yeah that is a drastic shift in such a short period of time and this is the beauty mm-hmm. of traveling like yeah i was just in panama city everything was great and it's like ah, pump the brakes what is this right <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah it, yeah because you know like you expect that when you're it's just been interesting to see it when through, through a lot journey you know like i said i'm used to with straight natural hair or, or I guess a loose natural, yeah. you know, going from place to place and seeing how, how it's going to change. But I didn't know what it would do to my locks. So it's been interesting. So what did you do to care for them while you were in Vegas? <laughs> and so that's the problem. I've been pretty low maintenance, like just some uh, a rose water and glycerin mixture. Mm-hmm. And um, occasionally I would put um, like some like an oil on it. Uh, but in Panama, I didn't have to do much at all. So I just left my my rose water and I didn't really do anything. And I almost forgot that I needed to do that. So when I went to Vegas, I wasn't really doing it. And I was only there for like three days, um, but I wasn't really doing it. And then I noticed about halfway through how dry it was. And then I took some pictures and I felt like they just looked dry. (laughs) And so it didn't dawn on me until uh, later, I think after I had left, like, oh, you need to be spraying it down and giving it moisture and things like that, because you're not going to get what you got in Panama in other places. (laughs) Yeah. So since our last episode, what's something new that you feel like you learned in the past few months? Yeah, so like you know, I, I tie it to, um, I tie it to the, that environment to just a, kind of a life lesson that your environment really does make a difference, and certain circumstances really do make a difference. I actually made a post about this on on Instagram and Facebook uh, when I left Panama, um, and it was kind of a lesson that I learned is that you know sometimes people say that. Uh, certain factors don't matter or that it's not about, it's not about the destination or it's not about the actual thing changing, but you have to learn to be happy anywhere and under any circumstance, which to an extent, I agree that that's true. I agree that you can find happiness anywhere. Um, You don't, you shouldn't just depend on your circumstances to change in order to, to be happy. Um, but I think that sometimes the change 
is the thing that brings the happiness. Sometimes it's the picking up and the moving, it's the changing the job, it's the the leaving or entering the relationship that really does bring about the 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 shift that we needed. And um, you know, sometimes with toxic positivity, we we lose sight that our environment matters, right? Talk about so, it. <laughs> so um, you know, you can tell a person that's in, and this is going kind of in a going extreme, but uh, you can tell a person that's in an abusive relationship or living in an abusive home that, you know, just be positive and you're, you know, just get your mind right. But that environment makes that 10 times more difficult. So um, for me, it was, you know, just this realization that environment and circumstances matter when it comes to your life, your fulfillment, your flourishing, like with my hair, your flourishing, um, your environment can really matter when it comes to that thriving. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about toxic positivity? Mm-hmm. Um, what's coming to mind for me, um, and one of the things I've been really focusing on, so Katie and I met um, during our IFS training. And mm-hmm. IFS has been one of these like life-changing ways of looking at emotions and feeling. And I've been saying a lot, honoring the spectrum of emotions. So on one end, we have comfortable emotions like happiness, joy, pleasure, relief, um, relaxation. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have uncomfortable emotions. And for some people, they might say that depression feels uncomfortable or anxiety, rage, irritability. Mm -hmm. These are the uncomfortable emotions. Notice how I said comfortable and uncomfortable. Not bad Mm -hmm. or good, not good or bad, not healthy or unhealthy but comfortable and uncomfortable because this is how we experience these emotions in and around our body. So when I think of positive, positive, um, what what did we say? Toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is not honoring the spectrum of your emotions because when we feel uncomfortable, it's for a reason. Right, right. For a reason, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, you go first. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. So for me, you know, I think when I'm unhappy or not comfortable, it's an indicator that I, and this is what I put in my post, that I'm not, my life isn't in alignment with my truest desires or just what God really has for me, what I was put on this earth for. I'm not living in alignment with that. And um, therefore I'm uncomfortable or I'm not happy. So that discomfort is an indicator or an information about the fact that something's off. And if I try to force myself to be happy or convince myself to be happy, um, I would miss that message. Right, right. And this is something that I share with my clients in session. I mean, and, and just in life, that when, I, when I'm experiencing something uncomfortable or something feels uncomfortable in and around my body, that is information. It feels like literally like my body is tapping me. Like, um, hello, something is off. What are we going to do? And the longer we ignore it or the longer we engage in things like toxic positivity, it's like, oh, well, you know, just, just be positive about it. Or, you know, look, look on the bright side. I hate that. <laughs> look on the bright side. Sometimes there isn't a bright side. Right. Or you should, you know, feel this way or think this way or do this thing. Um, you know, it's, and that was a struggle for me a lot that I should be happy here where I am in this situation, but I wasn't, you know, um, whether that be 
uh, and these are just examples, living in a certain place or in certain jobs, certain careers, certain relationships, that sh this should be enough. And then trying to instill gratitude and all of that for what I do have while convincing myself that this is right. Well, I think you can, what I noticed when I left, when I entered and then left Panama was that that sh experiencing that shift and being in that place that brought so much happiness and this really feels right this is like what i sh quote should have been doing the whole time um as opposed to convincing myself that you know this should be enough and that should be enough no like my emotions were telling me that something about this environment or this circumstance isn't isn't the best or isn't in alignment for me and that's okay yeah would you so, say that's the lesson you relearned? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I relearned, I relearned because I, you know, you know it, you hear it, but then you kind of have to experience it in a different way or experience it for yourself. So there's definitely a relearning there. Mm -hmm. and, oh. and I think unlearning um, that, what was the unlearning? The, the, the unlearning that, you know, you kind of have to be happy in all circumstances and all environments. And um, yeah, you just, like I said, hair is an example. I don't think, I don't think my locks were thriving in Vegas. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, now we could, we could put more work and effort to it in Vegas to get them right. But some, some circumstances are just better for you than others, you know? So yeah. I feel like the gift of IFS in honoring, in learning how to honor the spectrum of emotions, I would say in my own life and even in my hair journey is that to your point, that when things are not going the way I think it should, it could, it's also an indicator that maybe that's not the thing for me and that's okay. Versus mm -hmm. forcing, making it the thing and right. thinking of all of the energy you invested that could have been directed towards what's actually gonna work in your favor versus forcing. Mm-hmm, absolutely.
I think about where does where does gratitude come into all of this? Because, you know, toxic, some themes around toxic positivity is that, you know, you know, you have to be grateful and that's the way that you pull yourself out of the negative emotions and things like that. And I don't, I think there is still a role for gratitude and acknowledging what you have and at the same time, acknowledging and honoring that that feeling, that sadness, that part that says maybe something isn't right, you know, so we can hold space for both at the same time, because I think gratitude, it can help you from sinking further and further and further, but it can't change the fact that something is just not right. Right. So. Yeah. So making room for both and, and not either mm-hmm. or. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, like you said, that IFS lens has really, you know, it really is transformational, not just for me as a therapist, but just as a person, I just look at things so much differently and, you know, accepting myself and my own, as you said, uncomfortable emotions um, has really been been transformational while, like I said, also making space for, for the gratitude and for the things that are positive and that are right. Yeah. Is there anything you want to share with the audience about what to look forward to in the next few weeks as we transition to DR? Well, a few days, not even weeks. <laughs> yeah, like two days. Um, well, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm open to seeing what's, what's going to happen. I'm excited about it. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> you know, that's the thing with each place you go to, you really don't know what to expect. Um, but now that I'm two different locations in, um, there's, there's less anxiety and, uh, this time around I'm closer, closer, a little bit closer to home. So I have a few people that are planning, my parents are planning to come and visit me. So I'm excited to see what life is going to be like there, what my hair is going to be like there. I'm I'm guessing it's going to be a little bit closer to what it was like in Panama. So, (laughs) so we'll see. So in our last episode, when we touched base, I think we talked briefly about um, practicing Spanish in Panama. So this will be now your second Spanish speaking country that you're going to be in. How do you feel as far as like um, your ability to communicate in Spanish now? So I'm understanding a lot. Like I understood everything that you said when, you know, we were talking about you visiting DR. Um, but it is still difficult for me to communicate. And so many of the people that I met in Panama were Spanish, were English speaking, that I didn't get to practice enough as much as I wanted to. So part of the reason I chose DR was I wanted to be in like a Caribbean, Caribbean island, but I figured a Caribbean island that's Spanish speaking will give me more of an opportunity to practice my Spanish. I was hoping that I would be fluent after my time in Panama. Three months is really enough time, especially with the background that I had, but I just didn't, I wasn't around, I wasn't immersed enough in the, the language. So I'm going to give myself some more time in DR and we'll see if I can come out with some level of fluency after another okay. two months. So I don't know. See, I'm in, in it's Punta Cana, it's a tourist area, so I don't know. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Let's Maybe try to find some volunteer opportunities or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we can, what we'll, what we'll get together for the next episode, how much of it in Spanish we can have. Even okay. just, just, just conversational, as practice. Mm-hmm. And okay. I'm, I'm one of the peers that you have that you can practice with. So use me. <laughs> okay, I shall. I shall. I'm telling you, it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be bad. 
practice. I mean, you shared the background that you have. So share with the people because I know, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just uh, well, I mean, I'm half I'm half Puerto Rican, but uh, my my dad, you know, didn't speak didn't speak Spanish in the house, and you know, I wasn't in the house with him for a lot of a lot of my childhood. So, um, you know, I never learned it, so I had to learn it learn it myself. And um, you know, high there was high school, and then I was in Spain for a little while trying to learn, and I learned a lot while I was in Spain for those three months in my twenties. But I said the goal was to become fluent within this year, and I'm trying, but it is difficult. <laughs> and it's, it's you know, learning a new language, I see what, I understand why babies have temper tangents and things like that. Like when you're trying to communicate something and you can't get it out, that is frustrating. <laughs> and it's a whole different level of, of hum- humility. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's been a journey in itself. Yeah, being bilingual, trilingual is almost like your mind um, processes information in different languages. So like in your head, you know what you want to say, but it's not downloading so that the words come out in the way you want to express it. So it's like, what's this word? (laughs) Right, right. Sometimes you get a, I call it a short circuit where you're, you're, you forget the language, you forget the word in both languages while you're trying to translate between the two, you just get stuck and you can't even think of the word in English anymore. So it's funny. It's funny experience. (laughs) Random or unsolicited suggestion. One of the things that helped me, and maybe we can do this together when time opens up, is watch like a TV series in Spanish Mm -hmm. and then talk about it or like touch base every so often. So I saw um, Celia, was it on Netflix? I'm not sure. Or maybe it was on the fire state, but watching TV in Spanish, even if you're not sitting there watching the whole thing, but just keeping the 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 TV in the background helps mm-hmm. with connecting words that we think about in English just to know mm-hmm. what they are in Spanish. Mm-hmm. When I moved back home, um, this was after undergrad, my mom and I would watch um novelas together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like just the drama in Spanish mm-hmm. felt like, oh, so that's that word, because you know mm-hmm. this already. Mm-hmm. You know this already. Do you watch it with caption, like with English captions on, or? No. No? no? <laughs> See, like a show, yeah. Throw yourself in there. Like you said, immerse yourself in the culture. I think mm-hmm. that it took me some time to get used to the pace, because the Spanish I'm familiar with is my mother's Spanish. And mm-hmm. she's very accommodating, because if I don't know a word, she'll just correct me. Versus mm-hmm. like when you're out in the world and people don't know you, it's like, well, what is the word? And how yeah. can I say it in this way to articulate my thought in the way that I would think about it if I were saying it in English? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll practice. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a skill. Quite a few of uh, my multilingual friends have told me that I should watch, that they watch TV shows to, to help them. So I need to go ahead and uh, start to practice that. Well, podcasts help too. Just listen to it. It's like, oh, what's oh yeah, I love the Duolingo podcast. They're like at an intermediate level, and I'm pretty good with that one. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am excited for our next episode, Safe Travels to DR. And Thank enjoy you. your trip. I shall. I'll keep you updated. Till yeah. next time, guys. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye.